And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. All right. It is the 17th of June, Saturday morning. 17th of June, 2017. Craig, I know you won't remember this date as important to you, but this was the date my late mother, the Libster, was born. Is June that right? 17th. Yep. Boy, do I miss the Libster. You missed her. You missed her meatloaf. Her I missed her. I missed her. Lo- yeah, she. Yeah, the turkey loaf she, she made. She was outstanding in the kitchen. No yeah. question. Yeah. Was your mom good in the kitchen? Uh, you know what? We used to just r- rattle her cage about her cooking <laughs> when we were kids. How could you, you do know? that to your mom? Oh, absolutely. It was easy. <laughs> when you grew up yeah. in a house full of boys, <laughs> it was great. You know, hey, mom, what time is suffer- uh, supper? <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> All right. Welcome into the bat around for this Saturday morning. Bonza Tufa is... Is running things and making sure we're on the air and uh, looking nifty on the uh, Facebook live feed. Here's what we've got for you today. Our good friend, press box writer and baseball sage and official scorer at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, Jim Henneman, will join us about 1020 to talk about the O's and their woes. Uh, At 1045, former Atlanta Braves and Baltimore Orioles pitching coach Leo Mazzoni will join us as well from, I believe, Atlanta, Georgia. And then, Craig, we're going to go from a former Oriole coach to somebody who's just making his first rung up the ladder in what he hopes probably to be a nice coaching career, maybe managing career. Tim Raines Jr., who's going to be the batting coach at Aberdeen with the short season Ironbirds. He's going to join us about 11.10. And then in the last half hour of the show, we've got a seven- or eight-minute interview that you were able to uh, do with uh, Matt Weeders. Yeah, a couple of days ago down in Nats Park before they uh, left, and uh, it was not a very good homestand for the Nationals, getting swept by the Texas Rangers in three that games. That was a shocker. And then turning around and losing two of three to the Braves. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a tough uh, homestand. Uh, but they're back on the road, and they won two straight against the Mets, who really is the team that they're, you know, that's they, chasing the Nationals. Yeah. So an eight-and-a-half game lead went to ten-and-a-half very quickly, and uh, they've gotten two very good pitching performances, one out of Gio Gonzalez and the other one last night. Again, a ten-strikeout effort out of Max Scherzer. So he's eight-and-four on the year. And, uh, he oh, is, by the way, he the is Mets. Mo- he is money. Right, and he, he beat Steven Matz last night, so – uh, How did Matt's look in that game? Uh, he was okay. Gave up a home run. Uh, gave up a couple of home runs. Back to back to Weeders and Michael A. Taylor. Okay. And then uh, later in the game, Anthony Rendon went yard uh, in that game. So uh, the offense has banged out a lot of runs and hits in this uh, short, uh, you know, halfway through this series. The two games they play two more, and they'll have uh, Steven Strasburg on the hill today. So you run out Geo, who was fabulous the other night. Right. And then Scherzer last night in Strasburg today, so uh, things are looking pretty good. They're pitching staff. They've got Scherzer for about five more years, mm-hmm. so six more years. Yeah. 
They've got uh, Strasburg signed for long term. Well, Ten- three. Well, he's got an opt out after three years. So this after is, three yeah, years, right. but he's he's going to be in Washington for the foreseeable future. Right. Tanner Roark, I know they control. Right. What about Geo? Is he a this free agent? This is his walk year. This is his walk year. Yeah. So be a very uh, interesting it, Baltimore it, Oriole. Yeah. Well, you know what? He could be again two different ballparks, two different leagues. Not that he's not used to pitching in the American League. Uh, but the whole key for Gio is strike one and yep. keeping that pitch count manageable, where it's not a hundred after five innings. And if you know if that happens, this is a, a lot more of an offensive league, though, than than the National League. So it would be interesting to see if he can transition. Because remember, before the Nationals got him in he free was in agency, Oakland. Yeah. he was in Oakland and he won thirty-one games combined in his last two seasons right. with the Athletics. His first year in Washington, he won twenty-one. Right. I mean, one time top tier pitcher. Oh, no question. And still got a lot of tread and left on the tire. Right yeah. now, he could <laughs> fit in. He would look very he, nice. He would it. fit into this rotation pretty well right now. Yeah. You or I might. Well, that's true. All kidding aside, two, two and a half weeks ago when the Orioles were on that, that six out of seven losses in a row by one run, remember that? Yeah. Back when we said the sky might be falling and you were saying. Give me a couple weeks and we'll know if the sky has the sky fallen or well, can this can this team still pick itself up? Chicken Little's making his appearance. <laughs> let's put it that way. Uh, you know, I said to somebody last night. I said, "Look, I said they they were twenty two and ten, right? And over the last thirty four, they're ten and twenty four, right? And I said, and while everything's gone south pitching wise, because right now, I mean. Even though Dylan Bundy got a win in Chicago, yeah, he did not. Look he great. did not. He did not look great. He only lasted five innings. Uh, but but to his credit, the first two innings were not that great. He settled in and pitched three, four, and five really well. I don't want to interrupt you, but I I have to make point one point about Dylan Bundy. As much as we love Dylan Bundy, through 110 innings last year, he's already I think at what about 87 innings. Right I'd have now? to look it up, but I'm I sure think it's, it's up like there, 87 yeah. to 89 innings. This but the, year. the other part of it is though, uh, you, you you've got uh, Wade Miley today, right? You've got a Baldo tomorrow, right? Uh, so Asher goes back to the bullpen, and that's just strictly. But maneuvering, he was be- he's better in the bullpen. Well, there's two reasons. One, he's a little bit better in the bullpen. Uh, and two, Obaldo's kind of thrived a little bit after he's been in the bullpen right. for a while. You mean he comes back right, into the rotation and, and does all of a sudden he's like the old Obaldo, yeah, the, the or, one we wanted, know, the, the good one, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, uh, you know, when you talk about Gio Gonzalez or the that possibility in the off season, well, it, it's certainly intriguing, no question about it. All right. Um, you know, the other thing that's happened to the Orioles, and to me, oh. last night, I did this on my, my post-game talk last night. Boy, did I all of a sudden last night, as luck would have it, I got, like, everybody. Randy Etzel was there. Steve Jeppe was there. Mm-hmm. I had, like, 30, 40 people there right away, and I'm, I'm on one of my good, what I thought was a good positive rant, but understanding where the Orioles are, got disconnected, and then I, I got back on, wasn't the same level of people. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, it's easier said than done. Well, what no, I was going to no, what I was going to say was the pitching, as problematic as the pitching has been, it's my take that the poor starting pitching has taken the heart 
a little bit out of this offense. And that's what I was going to say. I said I was talking to somebody online last night, and I said this is the first time. And we've always known the pitching has been an issue for the last five, five six years. years yeah, no it's question. Been suspect. And I said it, even though they've made the playoffs three of the last five years and they've finished at 500 or better in all of those years, the pitching has been suspect. You always wondered where it was going to go. Buck, somehow or another, kind of man- hold it together. Hold man. it together, maneuver it around. Right now, I think, number one, he's searching for a lot of answers because yep. I'm not sure he knows what to yep. do. But the other thing that it has done in terms of sucking the life out of the team, I've seen some signs of not quitting, but players less engaged yep. like throughout, throughout. I mean, this I, is as bad a defense as I've ever seen Jonathan Scope play right. over a stretch of period, a period of time. Yep. Uh, Manny... Looks a little disinterested at times, you know. I think he's let his offensive problems sort of seep into the defense. Into, you yeah. know, I think he's sitting there worried about being hitting 212, you right. know, rather than worrying about fielding that ground ball. I yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a tricky problem right now. And, and Buck said something very interesting after the game last night. He said, you know, the first guy gets on with the walk, and then there's a fly out. And then we get the five four three double play, and you're thinking, okay, now we get a chance to come up against Carlos Rodriguez and Martinez. I'm oh, sorry, Carlos Martinez, and he winds up just throwing lights out. But you you felt like you've given yourself a little bit of momentum heading into your first at bat, that kind of thing. And he just took the life out of the Orioles last night. You know, Buck has tried, and I, and I haven't gotten a private minute with him, and and I'm you know I'm a little reticent to walk up to him and say, hey, I got a suggestion. But of all the lineups he's tried this year, does it make sense for you, and I'm being serious now, that that you haven't seen Smith and Kim lined up together at the top of the order? I understand that you want to you want to keep your lefties apart so it doesn't make it easy for a left-hander late in the game to come in. But boy, it seems like there's Kim. Probably, I'm just guessing his on-base percentage is somewhere around 330, 340. Mm-hmm. And I think Smith's is probably pretty high. It seems to me that's what I'd want to start my lineup with, kind of like when Earl used uh, Bumbry and Coggins at the top of the lineup. I'd want my on-base guys to get on base, and maybe that'll get pitches, a few better pitches for Machado batting third or fourth, you know, uh, it just it, I, don't, it, I haven't it, understood it, and especially with the offense struggling against right-handed pitching, I'm talking right, about. And, and especially against right-handed pitching. But with the offense struggling like it is, I'm surprised you don't seek him more. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially now. Well, Davis has only been hurt for three days. He's got to be in the lineup every day when Davis is down. I right could now. not agree more with that, yeah. and uh, because really, if you think if you look at this team and the amount of strikeouts that they have during the course of a game. You know, especially against pitchers who throw off-speed stuff a lot. Right. Uh, you know, Hunsu Kim's got probably the best idea of the strike zone of anybody in that lineup. Yeah, I don't think there's a big question about that. Anyway, uh, if you are engaged with us, listening to us at PressBoxOnline.com, please also consider uh, catching us on Facebook Live. It's not often you get to see such three three such handsome guys. Or somebody uh, in a tie-dye shirt. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you, you you said three handsome guys. They don't yeah. even see me. Oh, 
That's not really a, a negative. Yeah, is no, it? that's no, not. That's, a, that's, actually, that's <laughs> actually not a negative. Didn't your mother ever tell you it's better to be seen and not heard or yeah. whatever? <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want, we'll throw a camera on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's best if not. Okay, good. All right. Anyway, if uh, you'd like to join us on Facebook Live and watch the festivities. Go to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, all right? And share it. And share it. Please share please it. Please share it. Please, please share it. Um, by the way, I will be back on Facebook Live after tonight's game, probably an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes after the game for 20 minutes or so. I try to catch that, you know, yeah. if I come back up from the clubhouse or whatever, and I try to catch it, and I figure one of these, one of these days here recently, I was just going to see you start crying or something. <laughs> Well, I love, you know, Craig Craig knows how media works, so he knows I read everything that comes across there. Uh-huh. And he he puts in things like you're a you're a yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. And I go, you're a and I'm yeah. reading it. I'm reading yeah. this stuff. And, and usually it winds up being you're watching Stan on the computer and usually it winds up being okay, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's but, been fun doing that, and you can find that. That is not on the Press Box Facebook page. That is on Stan Charles' Facebook page. We'll figure that out one of these days, which makes more sense. All right? Uh, so we have the Orioles in uh, some dire straits right now. Uh, luckily the, 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 luckily them, the, the Yankees, Yankees have lost are, four straight games. Well, they've lost four in a row, and they're only one in five on this road trip so far because they, they lost two of three in uh, – in, in oh, I'm sorry, in Anaheim, Anaheim and right. now they've gone to Oakland and haven't won a game. And they've lost two players. Right. Gary Sanchez is hurt, an abductor muscle, right. I think that's an in abductor, right, exactly. And then Aaron Hicks got hurt and right. is out, so, and maybe for a while. I think so, and that's Did an it, was Achilles. That him, and that's uh, an, was Achilles. an Achilles injury, yeah. wow. And I don't think it's a torn Achilles, but okay. it's an Achilles injury. Now, did he hurt that running into that wall? He may have. I'm okay. not sure exactly right. when it happened, but uh, – uh, so, so a little bit of a chink in the armor there, and is if I Boston think if you, right neck and oh, well, I'd have to look at the yeah. standings. I haven't looked at the standings right yet, but I'll, I'll tell you, the other thing about this is, I mean, if you go back over the last three weeks or so, Yankees are just playing 500 baseball. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I mean, and have still been able to and, enlarge and their lead over the Orioles a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but here's the, well, a lot of that had to do with the sweep in New York. Yep, but. The other part of that is it goes back to what I was saying about this American League East, and that's the fact that I still don't think anybody's going to run away with this division. Well, the Yankees are 38-27. and 27. The Boston Red Sox are 38-29, and 29, so the Red Sox are one game back. Tampa at 35-35, and 35, five and a half games back, and the Orioles and Toronto tied at 32-34 and 34, are just – Six and a half games back. Right. Uh, and I, I think it's six in a loss column, correct? Uh, we are seven, seven in the loss, loss column, column behind okay. the Yankees. But more importantly than that, let's, let's for a second seed the division to the Yankees or the Red Sox, and let's seed the American League wild card, the first wild card, to the, the, the other, to the Red okay, Sox yeah. or the Yankees. All right. Then you get into who, who do we com- compare with, we are within two games of that second wild card well, spot. And that's, and that's why, look, things are going badly. There's no question about that. But can that get turned around and going in the right direction? You think that other teams with the Orioles' record right now are saying themselves the season's over? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work that way anymore. The most frustrating thing, though, about the Orioles is the, this season right now. We went, 
we went in to play the last place Chicago White Sox, who had lost. They they were nine and seventeen in their last twenty six games, and had lost uh, eight out of n- their last nine games. They beat us three out of four. Then we play the Cardinals, who are nine and twenty mm-hmm. of their last twenty nine games, and had lost eight road games in a row. And these teams are making the Orioles look. Kind of silly. Kind of silly, but the other part of it is, you know, the the Cardinals are going to do, and again with Wainwright today going, they're going to do, with Martinez, what they did last night, they're going to throw better pitching out there than what the Orioles are. And if you look at this, the entire American League, and I'll have to go over and just check out the National League, and I think it's pretty similar. Eight, eight of the 15 teams in the American League right now are under 500. Right. So, you know, again, I don't think anybody's running away with anything it, other other than the Houston Astros. Uh, but, you know, you look, you look at the rest of the league and, you know, you got, you got and some And the Astros pretty, are just three and seven over the last ten games. Right. They've hit their first little stumble, but they've still got an 11-game lead over the uh, Rangers, Rangers and 11 and a half over the Angels. Right. But you look at it and there's some mediocre baseball teams out there. No question about it. It's interesting. Uh, Minnesota Twins have been one of those good stories, you know, of the team, the turnaround teams. Right. They go into Minnesota, and it was almost like Terry Francona said to the to the gang, "Guys, it's showtime." It's yeah. They they won eight to one last night behind Carrasco right. and really beat up on the Twins' uh, mediocre starting pitching. Right. And uh, again, uh, that's two in a row, two for the twin uh, for the Indians in that series. So they got you know. Again, I don't think anybody thinks that Terry Francona forgot how to manage between last year and this year, but certainly he has struggled with the talent that he has to try to find consistency, and I think a lot of teams are going through that. Yep. All right. Uh, We're going to make our connection with Jim Henneman momentarily. Uh, Again, Yankees leading the American League East by just a game over the Red Sox, five and a half over Tampa, six and a half over the Orioles in Toronto. Uh, Minnesota Twins have a one-game lead over Cleveland, a three-game lead over Detroit, a three-game lead over the surprise, suddenly surprising Kansas City Royals. Yeah, and all of a sudden they found a little bit of a stride they right really now. They really have. They really have. Getting a little bit better pitching, and uh, we're seeing that lineup uh, you know, use their speed. And kind of a couple of years ago what we saw when they were making two consecutive runs to the World Series, uh, you know, the playing the kind of baseball and in the style that they're used to playing. And the White Sox are only five games out of first right. place. And that's, and that's a team that's six games under 500. Oh, yeah. So if you're six under 500 and you're five games out. <laughs> it says what the, the rest of the what division the, is doing. Right. Why don't you introduce our first guest? All right. Our first guest is uh, a good friend of both of ours. And, yes, uh, he is. I had to cor- I, you know, I had to correct him the other night. That happens on occasion, you know, because I sit right you behind him. You him? Yeah. You know, okay, on 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 a scoring play, but that's you know. Anyway, no, we love him, Jimmy Hanneman, and uh, Jim uh, is the official scorer down at uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and and a columnist for press columnist for press box, but. Many years ago, was the beat writer for the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. And set the standard. And set the standard for a lot of people. And uh, I'm proud to call him a friend, and he is Jim Henneman. Jim, how are you? Hey, Craig, I'm just proud to have you have my back when I need some help. Yeah. I just, Every night. So that, that, I just that say, works, hey. That works both ways. Hey, wow. hey Henneman, it was 5-4-3. 6-4. 6-4. 6-4. 7-4. Whatever. 7-6-4. 
Oh, that's that's a play. And you know what? In your in your defense, I could certainly see how, with everything you're doing during the game, uh, ball hit down left field line, and uh, the Orioles make a a real nice play, and they they wind up going left field to shortstop, and then turn around and throw the scope at second base yep. to get the out. Yep. And he said, you know, runners out seven four, and I said, you know, I said. Seven six, well, seven it's, six it's four. Not really, it's not really a good defense, but in all honesty, what I did, I when I watched the guy field the ball in left field, uh, I immediately turned turned my eyes to second base. So, so I, the, the middleman, uh, as, as we say, you know how we like to eliminate the middleman a lot of times when we're doing some negotiating. Yeah. So that's kind of what I did. Well, I think I think if I keep correcting Jim, he's going to eliminate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. He doesn't need much elimination. No, he down doesn't. There. Um, or much correction down there. Jimmy, uh, there's some pretty smart baseball people in Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter that I think are scratching their heads at just what the heck happened uh, here. It's pretty clear that the starting pitching is nowhere near what they anticipated, but is this almost a question of the the Pakoda folks, you know, those, those machines that spit out what should happen? Did they finally get it right on the Orioles? Well, you know, we were talking about it the other day, and I guess probably all of us. Might, I said, "Well, one of these years, it's uh, it's going to happen uh, that that will be thrown in the tower or something." But I, you know, I never would have expected it would have been uh, before Father's Day. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I guess. Look, I've talked to a lot of scouts. I talked to some scouts last night who, you know, one uh, one really good scout fan who was in town for the first time, who was seen, you know, hasn't seen the club since. Of spring training and and bottom line is you know the question is what happened and uh, you know you bring up uh, a, a, an obvious thing and I say well you know take a good look tonight and then and tell me t- tomorrow what you, what you think because like Gosman is is probably the biggest uh, the biggest question mark I mean uh, like this, this said to me last night he said he looked so good in the spring he looked like he had turned the corner yep last year and, and this spring looked like he was really ready to just take off and I don't really know uh, how anybody can really explain that. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I thought that they finally had a little bit of depth in their starting pitching and that it would hold up okay but I did expect that, that Gosman and Bundy would give them would give them two solid guys and uh, I, I expected that I really thought that Molly was, was going to step up and be a serviceable Yep. Uh, number four guy, and then you're, and of course you're, you know, you're hoping that someone will be able to hold his own. And if you get, you know, there's not too many teams that have five starters, and uh, uh, but but there's one. If there's one really good rule about baseball when you go to spring training, it's if you can almost make book on. Uh, there's going to be a pitcher come down that's going to be hurting somewhere along the line, and chances are, if he is. He might not get it together before the years over. Well, you're looking at a you're looking at a fifth starter in Washington in Joe Ross, right. who has been up and right. down That's right. to the minor yeah. leagues and then back. And then when he got back, he had a real good one against, against the, the Orioles, Orioles with right. a, with a career high twelve strikeouts. Then he has two clunkers. Then he comes back and throws a good game. And then the last time out, it wasn't as good. Uh, so again, they're searching for one. And to tell you how much pitching is at a premium is the fact that all of a sudden the Nationals go out yesterday and sign Edwin Jackson to a minor league deal. Right. Well, you know, I mean, there was a reason, you know, 
I mean, there was a reason why he was brought up here. I mean, yeah. you know, they, I mean, you know, people are not, but you know, it's almost like the, some, this stuff can be contagious. I swear. It's, uh, yeah. it's like a common cold sometimes. I mean, it's, uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, when you guys are watching what's going on, it's, it's almost like the chicken and the egg theory. There's some of these games, uh, I mean, that New York series when it's six to nothing, nine to nothing, uh, before you, you even get the game started. I mean, it's hard to play offensively or defensively when that happens. And, and conversely, when you're struggling and you can't get any runs in a game like last night, every every mistake is magnified. I mean, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. And there was a game, Gosman's last start was, was mind-boggling because we all know how we, we get in love with these pitch counts and, and we'll see guys in, in the first inning struggling 25, 30 pitches in the first inning. And right out of the get-go, you know the guy's not going more than five innings. And, they, and I think it was that game against the Yankees. He actually was within one strike of, of getting a third out in the inning with about 16 or 17 pitches. And he was behind five to nothing. I mean, and you, you say, how is this possible? But, that, but that, if you remember, that was a game when the first four hitters smoked the first pitch and uh, – and did and did a lot of damage. It's it's uh, so it, it's been it's been mystifying. Let's put it that way. Well, they're ten and twenty four over their last thirty four, and the one thing that I've noticed, especially here over the last week, and and Stan and I were alluding to this a little earlier, is the fact that some guys on this team uh, are becoming a little disinterested. I think at times, and I think Manny is one of them. And I can't remember a year where I've seen Jonathan Scope play defense like he's playing it right now. Well, you know, you know, and I'm not going to try to, you know, read in people's minds. I mean, I, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't believe that guys get, you know, that mentally that that that's a a, a predisposed attitude or something. And I, but I do think it's a result of what's going on. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. that's yeah. human nature. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, if uh, you know, if if it happens to all of us, I mean, it, no matter what we're doing, I mean, I, I you know, I I struggle. I, you you get how you struggle writing columns or coming up with ideas or something, and, and then you get to a point where you you know you got to mentally kick yourself to get going. You know, there there has been a lot of things that have happened, and and I think that there's a uh, I think that you know, I, I mean, personally, I think Manny is is. It put a lot of pressure on himself in in a lot of ways, uh, and when, and I don't mean that in any way other than the fact that he's just trying to hit five run homers. Uh, he's, he's trying to get uh, he's trying to go from two ten to to three ten overnight, which we all know you can't do. I mean, he you know probably needs to get into a mindset that says, "Hey, look, I I got to work on hitting three hundred the rest of the way, and let right, let that right. let that final average. Don't worry about that. You know, cut your all line." I mean, sometimes I'll do that on a golf course, and like after the, you know, you play three or four bad, I'll just draw a line here. Let's just see what we can do from here on out, and, that's, and see, that's and a good see approach. what, the final, what you, the final result is at the end of the day. Every time I do that, though, that line finds water, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah, and it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't solve anything, but sometimes you just have to, uh, you know, you have to you have to you just have to do it. You have to throw yourself and change of pace. I right. mean, uh, you know, so it's, uh, I mean, I, I can understand. And we are talking about 25 year old guys, you know, <clears throat> and they, they tell you, you know, just go out, relax, go out and have fun. Well, that's easy for us to take. 
Jimmy, uh, you one can't of, go out and relax and have fun if you're getting yeah, if you're getting, getting your, your butt kicked. Yeah. One of the toughest aspects of this is you you really look around and it feels like you're you've been you're in a boxing match and you've been knocked to the deck three times in the in the third round, but you get up and all of a sudden you look around and while we're probably not going to beat the Yankees or the Red Sox this year, we're within two games of that second wild card spot. How does Buck convince them that that hey? Yeah, you've played bad for 34 games, but we're it's not over yet. You're still right there. You're still right there. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, how does Buck convince him of that? Well, I mean, I, he's not going. He's certainly not going to have an approach any different than, yep. than he has in the last six years. I mean, you know, number one, he's got to have some help in that regard. And by that, I mean, you know, they're going to be able to convince themselves. Yep. I mean, it, you know, let's face it. This, the, the, the problem is, and Craig, you hit on the, on the. On the, on the defensive aspect of it, but the team has not hit on all cylinders, so to speak, in every department. Mm-hmm. It hasn't just been one. I mean, it's been, <clears throat> I mean, not, uh, you know, Tom Davis on his post-game thing last night with DJ was talking to the fact it, that, that their record with three runs or less is like eight and, and uh, 25. Well, when you score three runs or less, you you don't expect to win a whole lot of games. You right. don't expect to win half the games. But here's the thing: that's 33 games, three runs or less, yeah. on on a team that is supposed to be scoring upwards of four. And and it doesn't sound like much, but that's you know, it's 35 percent, 33 percent of uh, of the total. It, it makes a big difference. Well, and, uh, if you if you look at the standings right now. The Orioles and also the Blue Jays are, you know, tied for last place, but right. six and a half behind the Yankees, seven in the loss column. But if you look throughout Major League Baseball, eight of the 15 teams, Jim, are under 500 in the American League. Nine of the 15 uh, are under 500 in the National League. So there's a lot of mediocre baseball being there's, played out there. there. And there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, it's a, there, there's a lot of parity. There's no question about that. However, the, the one thing that, that we can't really overlook here, I mean, you'd like to. I mean, I think that, that, that that's the attitude. I mean, you're telling that, how's Buck going to sell this? I mean, this is, that's how you sell it. But the bottom line is we're talking about how the Orioles got to be two games. Nobody else in baseball got to be two games under 500 the way they have Right, <laughs> and and that's you know that's the first thing you know you got to stop that first. I mean you know the the bleeding, you know, you know you got to get a tourniquet on this thing and uh, and put a halt to it because there being a couple games under five hundred is a whole lot worse than some other teams being. In other words, their their position right now against Toronto is a whole lot worse than Toronto's is because Toronto has actually gone in the other direction. I mean they started out like this right. And, uh, so I mean that's that's the you know the part mentally, but uh, uh, it's tough. This is a, this is probably the toughest stretch that the that that they no, it's not probably. I mean, I you know what fifteen when the year they they finished five hundred, they probably had stretches like this too because they had to have a big run at the end to finish five hundred. So uh, certainly been that uh, that's the only other stretch that I can remember since uh, since twenty twelve. That, uh, that they've been through uh, anything anything remotely close to this. Jim, I want to throw you a little curveball because it's not really focused on 2017 right now. 
Right. The birds are about to get Zach Britton back. It sounds like maybe in 10 or 14 days he's, you know, he's going to pitch. He's pitching Monday night at, at Aberdeen. Right, but right. Buck gave indication yesterday. It's still that after the All-Star break? It's still going to be right. at the All-Star break or right after the All-Star right. break. Right. Here's my point. I'm not suggesting this for 2017. Uh, he's one year away from being a free agent. If he proves to be healthy the remainder of the 17 season, and Brad Brock is still rocking and rolling and doing a pretty good job in that closer spot, is there any way that he would go along with or you would ascribe to the notion that he might be part of the solution in the starting rotation, or is that is that out the window no. and you can't even discuss it? No, I can't. I, I can't even. I, I can't even imagine that would happen. Okay. I mean, you know, it would be. I mean, first of all, you have to understand that you know that's been there, done that situation. Uh, you know, where I mean, the more that after you saw him play, you see his his stuff really does not play in that at that level. Number one, yeah. I mean, first of all, teams would be taking pictures like a whole lot more than they are right now because just just to get him, you know, just to even, and make make him get the, that sinker into a strike zone. I, I think right now, I think the biggest thing that they have to decide with him is, like you say, I, I don't look for him to come back before the All-Star break. I don't really think there's much point in it. Yep. Uh, you know, they got to make sure he's 100% healthy because they're going to have to, even even if this season becomes a washout, mm-hmm. you know, you, we have to look at the thing. One of the things that, that we all said, Craig said it, Stan, you said it, and I said it too, as the season started, this is a this is a team with a lot of nice pieces to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, there's a lot of nice players on this team. and But the game starts with the guy that's holding the ball on the hill. Right. Always and, does, and always you've will. you've got to get, you know, you have to pitch better. Uh, and they're not going to, I mean, they they have to find a way. They really do have to find a way to pitch better. And you're, you're not going to go out and sign you know, they really go out and sign pitch and help, but that's all well and good. Are you going to go out and spend $25 million for, for one starter who may or may not be able to, to get you over the hump? And you're not going to be able to do it by by getting two or three guys at 12 or $13 million. We've already proven that that doesn't work. Exactly. We've tried that a couple of different ways. Yep. It basically just means we've got to find guys in your system or in somebody else's system that maybe somebody else is, is missing on. Uh, to step up, you just have to pitch better. I mean, it's as, uh, it's as simple as that. I mean, I, well, it's not as simple as that, but yeah. it's as plain as that. I, I hear you. I hear you, Jim. Uh, my supposition in asking that question, though, was not to even consider this year, just get him back healthy and performing well. But you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Conversely, is Brad Brock a guy whose game could, could transition – in that regard, or is his stuff, in your estimation, Jim, not really suitable to trying to get hitters out three times a game? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say that his stuff is not. His stuff is a little bit different than, than, than Zach's is, I, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and, and I could see that playing. I think, but again, uh, you know, your condition <clears throat> to do one thing. I mean, I watched the guy, the, the Carlos McKinnis pitch last night, and and you know, like that game was such a washout. But you know what? He threw so many great quality pitches last night. I mean, it was really off the charts. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it may have been as good a game as I've seen pitched all year long. But I, when I say, but I mean, there were pitches. There were 
he's throwing up to up to a hundred. He threw a hundred miles an hour on the one pitch he struck Jones out with. Yep. But he he's throwing he's throwing uh, you know that cutter or slider or whatever on the outer third of the plate, and then and then at the last instant it's just enough off the plate that you're not going to do anything. I mean he he threw that pitch so many times the right hand hitters last night. It was amazing. And the other amazing thing last night, I, I know all about reverse splits and stuff like that. Right. But we had two two right-handed starters last night, and there were there were three in the, in the whole game. There were three natural left-handed hitters in the whole game. That that was bizarre to me. That was like uh, off the charts. And I know that the the splits on on Gosman are such that the you know that, that that's one of the things. But the thing with Gosman, I think that. That baffles everybody is, and, and especially with me. And I look at I look at what we call the whip, right? Well, I used to call it the rip runners and scope runners and you know right. innings pitch. Right. I mean, the number of hits that he gives up for uh, for inning is is it's, off the charts. Uh, I just don't. I, that, that's really hard to figure. And I, I'm sure that a lot of baseball people are trying to figure that one out. Well, that's and the other do. the other part about that, like last night, was the fact that. Yeah, that number was probably what we were used to seeing, but then then there's the stuff in there which allows nine strikeouts to happen along the way, and all, all of a sudden it's mind-boggling as to what's going on with him, Jimmy. As opposed to no strikeouts the last time he was out, that yeah. was that, that yeah. was the yeah. other thing that, that when he pitched the last time and there was no strikeouts, and it's just like when you see you when you. You see Tillman's stuff kind of be just flat for a lot of times. You know, you know, red flags go off, and you're like, oh, something's, you know, something's wrong here. But, yeah, you know, he threw the ball. I mean, he had a couple of bad breaks last night on some balls that just got through it, got through. But, you know, you can't you can't continually say that. I mean, yeah. he made some good pitches. It looked like he was on the verge of hitting that inning, and then there was the lazy slider in the middle of the plate. Terrible pitch. The number Terrible. nine hitter, and all of a sudden the two-to-one game is a four-to-one game, and and uh, I, I, and they're not, and we're not putting runs on the board. I mean, I shouldn't say we because I don't wear the right. uniform. But I, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a native. What can I yeah. say? I got uh, one more. I got one more question for you. It's a different curveball. Dylan Bundy, how many innings? He's about eighty-seven to eighty-nine innings already, right? Yeah. And he threw one hundred and ten last year. Where do you see that? Being able, to, you know, in other words, do you worry about the number of innings, or do you just keep watching him and let his you know, pitching tell no, you what I, he needs? I don't. I mean, I, you know, it, you know, at what point is when's enough enough? Uh, with the pitch counts and with the, you know, he's look. If if you're going to limit a guy, I mean, we I go back to the fifteen count per inning. People don't understand. Fifteen per inning. If you finish a game and you do a good job, that's 135 pitches. Right. I mean, I look at it like now. Okay, we know that if if we're ahead in the game, if we're behind the game, you're not going to go nine. And if certainly if we're ahead in the game in this day and age, you're not going to go nine because they don't let you do that anymore. It's against the rules. It's just <laughs> one of those rules that's been in there that that we really haven't been able to find what page it's on, but it's there. And uh, so. I look at guys 110, 115, 120 pitches, somewhere in that range. I feel like, okay, I'm pitching the equivalent of seven or eight innings, at least. I know I'm not going to pitch a ninth inning if I'm ahead because that's what we got closers for. And so. just, just so we know, uh, Stan's been alluding to it, last year 109 and two-thirds innings for Dylan Bundy and 87 and two-thirds this year. Right. right. 
but that, I mean, of course, that's the, you know, that's the progression. That's the thing that I don't understand. And I mean, look, these people have, have got numbers to prove about injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, we drafted a guy, we drafted uh, pitchers last year and sent them out and, and had them start five or six games and they pitched three innings apiece. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. No, you not, know, I understand it in the beginning to, anything, to get it yeah. going, but, but why not? Bumping it up each time. Why three innings? I mean, what's, uh, it's almost like breaking a sweat. You know, the other yeah. thing with Dylan, I think people forget, is that Dylan is was not last year just one year off of the Tommy John surgery. He right. didn't pitch well, a lot yeah. the previous year because of different injuries, including a buttocks injury and some other injury that uh, wasn't so. So I think it's a little different. Jimmy, and, he's, and he's a little bit look, and I, I plus, and you know, from what you from reading his body language, I mean, he's he's eons ahead of his time as far age wise. I yeah. think. I mean, he looks like a guy who knows how to to, to pace himself and uh, knows how to do this. I mean, he's not quite the same. He's not the same pitcher that they thought he was going to be before uh, before the surgeries and the injuries, because you'd like to see him. I mean, he's supposed to be the guy, you know, throwing 96, 98, 99. But then, you know, we watch Kevin, we watch Gosman throw 98, 99, and and there's all kinds of runners on base. So all right, what's best, you know? Jimmy, we, where, is it, where does it work best? We so, appreciate your coming on. We've got a, we got a date with uh, Leo Mazzoni in just a couple minutes. Thank you, Jim. Good job. All right, Thank well, you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, pals. Have all a good right. one. All right. See you Thank soon. you. All right, Ironbirds baseball is back. Celebrate opening night at Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium with an offer that's almost too good to be true. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four opening night tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. All right, and don't forget uh, for your chance to win the ultimate Ravens away game trip when Baltimore takes on Jacksonville in London's Wembley Stadium on September the 24th. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London to enter now. Uh, You can even get bonus entries by liking on Facebook or tweeting grand prize winner gets a trip for two including direct airfare to london five-star hotel game tickets parties and more go to pressboxonline.com london now to enter see full details and contest rules no purchase necessary all it's all presented by Pressbox sports tickets unlimited and be more around town The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Charlie Vassalero introduces you to Baltimore's James Mosher League, the oldest continuously operating African-American youth baseball league in the country. Plus, we look back on the remarkable dual men's and women's lacrosse national titles won by the University of Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Want to see the Ravens take on the Jaguars in London on September 24th? 
Just go to pressboxonline.com slash London. You can win the grand prize, including airfare to London, five-star hotel accommodations, game day tickets, and more. Get all the details, contest rules, and enter now at pressboxonline.com slash London. No purchase necessary. Presented by Pressbox, Sports Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. Charm City's newest football team, the Baltimore Brigade, are taking arena football to the next level at Royal Farms Arena. This is the first ever season, and you're going to want to be there for it all. Catch a great game with your family sitting close to the field, or get your night started with friends in the bunker party zone. Baltimore Brigade football is high-speed, action-packed, non-stop excitement everyone can enjoy. Get your tickets now at BaltimoreBrigade.com or by calling 6 667-930-0200. Baltimore Brigade Football presented by MedStar Health. Brick by Brick. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash Sports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Baltimore, it's time. Time for major golf. Time for golf's legends. Time to get up close and see it live. Get your tickets to see legends like John Daly, Colin Montgomery, and three-time defending champion Bernard Langer at this year's Constellation Senior Players, July 11th through 16th at prestigious Cave Valley Golf Club. Tickets start at only $20 and kids get in free. Visit CSPGolf.com to learn more today. A new summer menu with two great new items at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. First up, the Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich. It's Chick-fil-A's signature grilled chicken and new bacon glazed in a brown sugar pepper blend. Served on a Hawaiian-style bun with Colby Jack cheese, green leaf lettuce, and a zesty Smokehouse Barbecue sauce that's crafted specifically for the sandwich. They also have the Watermelon Mint Lemonade. You can get it as a regular or a diet lemonade. It's got all-natural watermelon and mint flavors, and it's complementary to the Smokehouse Barbecue sandwich. Get the Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Tell Steve Pavlovsky we said hello and get there before August 19th because these items are available for a limited time only. If you like great food and baseball, you have to visit Big Bats Cafe located just over the Bay Bridge in Kent Island. Take the first exit to 216 St. Clair Place. Big Bats is the winner of the Golden Anchor Award and voted Best Burgers and Wings. It's like visiting Cooperstown, only with food, good food. Check them out at BigBats.com. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist here in the studio. And joining us now from, uh, I think, Atlanta, Georgia, is former Major League Pitching Coach for the Atlanta Braves and the Baltimore Orioles, and we'll get into what he's doing right now. That's Leo Mazzoni. Leo, Stan, and Craig, how are you? I'm doing great. A beautiful day here in the South, but it's hot. <laughs> are you Are you still rocking? Oh, yeah. I, I, I rock every once in a while, when I, especially when the college football comes on, because I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so well, I wasn't rocking very good last year, but hopefully we'll have a good year this year. You, you me, and Dave Tremblay. <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. Hey, Leo, uh, I understand one of the things you do is you do a Saturday morning baseball show on radio station 680, The Fan in Atlanta. Well, right. How did you fit this in? What time are you on in the morning, 6 to Well, I'm on in the morning at 9 o'clock and, uh, you know, from 9 to 10. Okay. And uh, uh, we do a, we talk baseball and, and uh, cover a lot of areas, you know, not only the present uh, game, uh, but uh, in the past. And, uh, you know, we, we study the history of the game, et cetera, so... It's a real good baseball show, and uh, I think it's probably the best baseball show as far as real baseball being talked about instead of some of the phoniness you hear now. Some of the real baseball that you just talked about uh, uh, over the cor- over a period of time. Well, thanks for coming on our phony show. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, Leo. We're, <laughs> we're kidding you. We're kidding you. We couldn't that, that is that the, up. That is the flagship, though, for the Braves, correct? Right. It's the flagship for the Braves, and... I do that, and I've been doing pitching seminars across the country, and I'm special assistant to the head coach at Furman University, like a senior advisor, and uh, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, coach Brett Harper has a great program there. They invited me to be a part of it to help out with the, the health of their pitchers, and uh, it worked out pretty good this year because Furman University's top three pitchers didn't miss a start all year. AM680, uh, that means you know Kevin McAlphin, who's the uh, – Beat reporter for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kevin's Kevin's as good as they get. Yeah, he's a he's a great kid, and uh, he's a guest on the show, and he's a guest during the week too, uh, during the uh, uh, the rude awakening uh, in the mornings from. 6 there you go. I gotta ask you a question. We just had Jim Henneman on, who I think you remember, baseball writer uh, for our paper mm-hmm. Press Box and PressBoxOnline.com, also one of the official scorers. We were just talking to him about Dylan Bundy. Uh, Dylan Bundy, and I know you're not a coach with the Baltimore Orioles, and you may not keep that close an eye on him. But you know, he no, missed. I know a, who it is. He missed a couple years though with the Tommy John surgery, a year and a half, and then his first year back had some injuries in the minor leagues, and because of his contract situation, they needed to keep him up last year or lose him. And you know how his 2016 evolved, but he still only threw 110 innings. This year he's at 87 and two thirds innings. Are you at all nervous if you're the pitching coach or the manager how many his total is, or do you just let his pitching tell you when maybe enough is enough for this season? I wouldn't be nervous at all. As a matter of fact, I'd let his pitching do the talking. Yep. And what you would do is you, you can't coach scared. I mean, we were in the same situation with some of our younger guys in the early 90s, and if it was today, they would, we wouldn't have ever got to the World Series because our young kids would have had too many innings and they wouldn't have been allowed to pitch, for crying out loud. I would let him I would. I, I sit there and hope he pitches 200 innings and gets us into the postseason. That's what I do. And that's not, a, that's not abusing anybody. That yeah. just, I just want to tell you that has, the innings pitch has nothing to do with the health of a pitcher from one year to the next. It's how you're pitching the innings and how you're controlling the effort on, on, in, in pitching those innings. And do you have max out innings? Do you have stress innings? All that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Innings pitched is the greatest teacher a pitcher can have, okay? And, 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 and people are taking away the innings pitched. Also, the healthier arms last longer if you teach pitchers to throw more often with less exertion. What, they're, what baseball is doing is throwing less often with more exertion because all anybody gives a damn about is the radar gun. Everybody can throw, but nobody can pitch. That's a great, yeah, and that's it's a great, great line. It's, it's a, great a great point. Line. And the other part about that, too, is with all the Sabre Matrix that are out there nowadays, I, I mean, I, I, I always tell people, yeah, that's great, but 
by God, there's people in this game, managers, coaches, who the, the best experiences they've had are, are watching kids and developing kids and right. letting them pitch. Well, let, let me tell you something. The reason I am so strong, feel so strong about that, um, I, w- I was given the Luke Appling Award for dedication, a long dedication to baseball over the years by the Braves 400 Club. Well, I was on the dais with uh, Gladman, Smoltz, Phil Necro, and myself. And so uh, Jim Powell, he and, he and Don Sutton are the radio voices of the Braves. He introduces me, right? I did not know this particular statistic, but from 1991 to 1993, when our staffs were at our youngest, mm-hmm. Bundy's age or younger, we went 537 consecutive starts and we missed one. Wow. Now, wow, those kids were young. Stuff. All of them, and guess what? Oh, let's see. Uh, Merker pitched 17 years. Glavin pitched 20. Maddox pitched 20. The lowest pitched guy was Steve Avery. He pitched nine. Everybody right. else pitched into their double figures, and, and, and you know, and, and that was not only then, but it happened all the way through the run. So talk and about, oh, if you ahead. think back to it in Baltimore, Eric Bedard had two great years when we were there in Baltimore. Jeremy Guthrie had two great years in Baltimore. You know, but then, then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're gone. So, anyway, so, these... uh, so that's why I'm strong about, feel strongly about Bundy. I, I would let him pitch, yep. and I, my goal would be to have him make every start from now to however far they go into the either into the postseason or they don't make it. So last year, what the Atlanta, what the Toronto Blue Jays were experimenting with with Aaron Sanchez, did mm-hmm. you did you find that smart to limit him at that point, or or you would have let him just do exactly what you're suggesting we do with Bundy? I would let him pitch. Yep. Okay. You know, you know. Well, here's what happens, too, guys. You got to remember, you shut you shut guys down for a period of time, then start them back up again. That's twice as hard on your arm as if you're pitching on a you're in a routine on a regular basis. People don't realize that. it's twice as hard on your arm if you shut something. Say, for example, I asked you to run seven miles in a week. Where where would you feel better, running one mile every day or running your seven miles and then shutting it down for a week and doing it again? Right. I'd be much rather well, run same, one mile a day. Yeah, it's the same way with your arms. But here's the thing. You have to control the amount of effort. A lot of coaches can't do that. You have to control the amount of effort. I had one time when Bobby Cox took over the Braves. He said, we're going to turn an offensive-oriented organization into a pitching one. Who's going to take care of these pitchers? Well, after I explained how we were going to do it, you know, and we had the entire organization there, and he says, well, I like that. And I had already got a reputation for no sore arms in the minor leagues. Well, guess what? One other pitching coach was there said, well, as much as you want him to throw off the mound, uh, they won't have nothing left in August. And I said, well, when I have them throw my, that extra day on the mound at 60 feet 6 inches going downhill to a catcher, what do you do? He said, well, we play flat-footed. We have flat-footed throwing in the outfield. Why don't you explain the difference to me between flat-footed throwing in the outfield or actually pitching off of a mound going downhill to a catcher? He said, They'll have a tendency to throw too hard. I said, well, that's what the hell they pay you for is to regulate the effort. That's a good point. Yeah. I can't argue with it. So, no. So your seminars that you go around the country and talk uh-huh. about healthy arms, right. uh, talk to me a little bit. Uh, clearly what we've just heard from you is some of what you say. Right. What is the, the state of the game today then in terms of uh, the smartness in, in approaching this issue of keeping arms healthy. It makes it sound like you say it's pretty sad, right? Yeah, it's it's very sad. Matter of fact, I went up and met with Tommy John in New York, Dr. Ahmad, a doctor that worked for the Yankees, 
um, I met with, and I, then I went to Waco, Texas, where I had 3,500 coaches. I had 1,500, 1,600 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I had eight or 900 in Carolina, uh, 450 in St. Louis. So, and here's, the, here's what we're looking at, guys. When you're a youngster, say you have your traveling teenage all-star teams or this or that, that starts, and then it's even worse in the minor leagues where they, don't, they have so many restrictions on pitchers. Pitchers are being told at a very young age that if you don't hit a certain number on the radar gun, you don't make a traveling all-star team, or you don't get a scholarship, or you don't sign a professional contract because your velocity is down, your velo. I didn't even know what the hell the word velo meant until I was done, out of the game. Yeah. You know, so everybody's – and then here's the other thing. All those numbers you see on TV, yep. subtract five miles an hour. Just, just subtract five to begin with because they're blown out of proportion. They're blown up and they're not accurate. So this, this term velocity and seeing how hard you can throw is ruining arms at a very young age instead of somebody that knows how to pitch, maybe a little movement, maybe a little change of speeds. And here's the other thing. Bullpens are getting abused. Your setup guy now is being abused in the game. That's why yeah. it changes so dramatically every year. Why? Because starters never get deep enough into the game because they're taught not to do that. And the other thing is your closer, you know, I look what the Sox are doing with Kimbrell. He's pitching multiple innings. One plus, one, you know, I used to go to a closer and say, you in one, one inning mode, one plus, et cetera, and he would tell me. But there, very rarely do this, does a closer come in with an air hunters. So that's an easy one, two, three, as far as I'm concerned. I didn't know so, what I didn't know what velo meant, and I didn't know what oppo boppo meant either. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> I don't. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> well, you know what? I didn't know. I didn't find that out until Bryce Harper got to the Nationals, and there I found, you go. I found out that oppo boppo was crushing the ball to the opposite field for a home run. <laughs> What? You know what? You learn something new every day, there and I have go. no idea. <laughs> but anyway, the bottom line is this, guys. Everybody's concentrating so much on velocity that they're missing out yep. on, number one, how to teach pitching. Number two, they're being told from up top how to teach pitching. Number three, the, the pitching coaches in the minor leagues are not allowed to do anything without approval from the front office. And number four, some organizations really have to reevaluate who's judging this talent because – what you're seeing in baseball is you're seeing a lot of guys that are being brought up that are only throwers, they're not pitchers, because they haven't pitched enough to even find out what they can what, are, what they can or can't do. How many innings is – I remember Doug Melvin used to tell me that 1,500 at-bats in the minor leagues is about the, the number where you can really tell and a, and a person can, mm -hmm. can start to improve. How many innings do you think that, that figure is for a starting pitcher in the minor leagues? Well – you know, I, I think it, you know it'll vary. I mean, there isn't a particular number. Right. It's it, here's here's the thing: if guys are making their starts when it's their turn, they're developing. The only way you develop is to make make your start when it's your turn. Then, when you make your start, then how you pitch determines the innings. It's very not a it's not rocket science here. But the bottom line is this: you you let a starter pitches, you teach him how to pitch out of trouble. Here's the bottom line, though, guys. You have to recognize when somebody is starting to fatigue or starting to labor. And the pitch count or the innings pitch has nothing to do with that. Yeah. A guy could be laboring in the fifth or be strong as a horse in the eighth. So these things come into play, and that's why you don't abuse anybody. If, if somebody's still getting people out but they're showing signs of fatigue, you take them out. So that, and it's based, and if, you need, if you need a number of innings to do that or a number of pitches on a pitch count to do that, then you shouldn't coach. 
And you know what? You, you mentioned the fact that young guys nowadays, they, they can't make a, a traveling team or anything like that unless they're, you know, they're really high on the radar gun, that kind of thing. But isn't that one of the reasons why uh, these younger kids are having more and more Tommy John surgeries all the time? That is the reason. The reason is the, the, the velocity number. The guys, if, if, say, for example, you're a youngster and you're 15 years old and you want to make this traveling all-star team and you're a good pitcher, but you don't quite throw hard enough, they say. They, they say. Who is they? Who is they that's telling this kid that? Well, guess what? What's he going to try to do? He's going to try to throw harder. Well, then that's how you hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you know let, let me tell you something. What does a pitcher resort to as soon as they face adversity, whether you're 15 or you're 25? Throwing the harder. first thing a pitcher resorts to is superpower yep. or super control. Yep. And when you resort to those two things, bad things happen. Superpower means you overthrow the pitch, which elevates it into the wheelhouse. Number two, you raise the risk of arm injury. And if it's super control, you're getting behind in the count. So <laughs> these things have to be brought to the pitcher's attention every single day that you're coaching in the minor leagues. Every single day, it's got to be brought up every single day. It's a constant 20, uh, 164 game process. Hopefully, then you go into the postseason. But we had guys in my career, minor leagues and big leagues, that's the thing that I was most proud of. It was uh, the health of our pitching staff because you can't go to the postseason 14 straight without, no, without healthy pitching staff. I don't care who you are. We're talking with Leo Mazzoni, former big league pitching coach with the Atlanta Braves and the Baltimore Orioles. He co-hosts a radio show um, on the fan, uh, Saturday morning baseball show on the fan in Atlanta, 680. Special assistant baseball coach Brett Harker at Furman University. And he's around the country pitching seminars uh, about healthy arms. He goes all around the country and does that. Leo, um, you have, let's say you have a young pitcher who's struggling as a starting pitcher. And mm -hmm. I go back to Arthur Rhodes with the Baltimore Orioles, and sure. I think a guy you know, uh, Andrew Miller, who's now maybe the most dominant relief arm in the game. How do you make a decision, and I'm using this discussing a little bit with Kevin Gosman here locally in Baltimore, when, when you may be squandering a talent who mentally might not be cut out to be a starting pitcher, mm -hmm. but who could still help your team, how bad does it have to go before you, you make that change? Well, we went through one of them in the minor leagues with Mark Wollers. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there's a good example. Mark would worry himself to death between starts, you know, drive himself crazy. Then... When he found out, when he, and when he, when, when, when he was made a closer, it was only because when he went to the ballpark and didn't know whether he was going to pitch or not, he felt like a million dollars mentally. Exactly. That's so he didn't worry himself to death in between sparks. I had my, my former roommate, Gary Lavelle, was a left-handed pitcher with the San Francisco Giants who had the record for saves for left-handed pitchers with the Giants, and he still does. Well, Gary and I were both starting in double-A, but Gary would drive himself crazy. In between yep. starts, worry himself to death. So the Giants made him a reliever in AAA, and the rest is history for left-handed relievers with the San Francisco Giants. Then he blew my doors off. <laughs> we were good I, friends, but we were both left-handed, and I couldn't come close to what he was doing. So I, I used I used a line in this piece I wrote this week. I said, right now for Kevin Gosman, the four days between starts are pure hell, and the day <laughs> he starts is even worse. I, you know, well, the thing is, you have to – 
that that when when that happens, I mean, you have to be able to sit down and, and try to get to the bottom of this thing yeah. because you know, and and we always said our most important start is always our next one. Mm-hmm. But as far as far as as far as Mark, the uh, examples of what we did, that's the only pitcher I ever recall that uh, we did it because he worried himself to death in yeah. between starts. The other one that we did it with was Steve Bojan. Yeah. Bedrock didn't care. He loved starting, but he loved closing. Yeah. And the other pitcher we did it with was Kent Merker. Kent Merker loved starting, but he was a he was he was a very good left-handed closer for a while. So the you know the, the bottom line is the mental approach and. For some, I don't like the idea of developing relievers in the minor leagues, guys. I'm going to tell you that right yeah. now. Bedrosian started all the time, and Merker started all the time, and they had, and, and both of them pitched like 15, 15 to seventeen years in the big leagues. Right. Merker did seventeen. I mean, well, Ro- the bottom, you know. Ahead. So if, if if the guy just throws hard and he's wild, but he has a good arm, I think he should start in the minor leagues. And oh, by the way, accumulate some innings to find yeah, out what exactly. the heck he's got. Exactly. Well, you know, the the biggest thing with Gosman right now up here, because everybody was talking about, well, you know, the Orioles need Bundy to take the next step and, and Gosman to take the next step after out of what they did from last year, late in the second half last year. And from, from, from Gosman's standpoint, Leo, you're talking about a guy that throws 95 to 98. His mm-hmm. stuff, his off-speed stuff, I think people will tell you, is some of the nastiest around. But here's a guy that can – can strike you out, but also just gives up a ton of hits. Yeah, his ratio right now is almost two. That's un- that's unbelievable. Absolutely well, unbelievable. Well, you know, there, there there has to be something there. You know, unless you're actually sitting in that young man or down yep. in the bullpen working with him to really figure out what's going. I'm not smart enough to answer that here. Just yep. observing, you know. I but just... when you have when you have stuff like that, yeah, you certainly want to be able to. You know, your choice is appearances or innings. And when you look at the Baltimore staff, they need innings. Uh, and they need innings out there. You know, they need innings out of their starting rotation. See, my, my, my point about the development of Kevin Gosman to me, I, I, and Leo, tell me where I'm wrong here. In the old days, you used to have a guy start out like at A ball, and he'd sort of master A ball and put up really great numbers. He'd go up mm-hmm. to double A. Then right. he'd master double A and go to triple A, right. and then he'd be ready for the majors. This guy, they never made him master any level that he pitched at. He was just so-so, but because they needed him to be a big-time arm, I thought they rushed him all along, and I think it's really hurt his development. Well, you know what? You you have guys in my, in the farm systems yep. that when they see somebody in the coaches, that you see somebody with good arms, they want to, they want to put their stamp on them. And when you want to put your stamp on somebody, you're going to either overrate somebody or un- because you're certainly not going to underestimate anybody because then that's a reflection on you. I've seen, the, I've seen it all the time in the minor leagues. Whoever's evaluating the situations and whoever's running the farm system better take a deep look at the who's doing the evaluating. And also, you let a guy gradually, gr- gradually work your way up through the system. And, and you gradually let them work their way up by having success in a particular level, Boy, you, whether you it's make, A ball, double A, and triple A. You make and too once much they've sense. Done that, once they've done that, they're ready. But you, see, somebody's in a hurry to do something. Somebody's saying, oh, he's ready, he's got the stuff, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Nobody's taking the time to find out if his location is good, if he rebounds in between starts is good, You know, is his mental approach good, does he prepare, is he an aggressive guy, is he a 
tense guy? Is he a backward? I mean, all these things have to be found out before you get to the big leagues. But then once again, the guys may have all those things. Then once they get to the big leagues, something changes too in their in their adjustment to to the big league level. But see, when you're always accustomed to hype and always accustomed to being, well, this is the greatest stuff we've ever seen. This is this. This is that. Then those kids hear it too, and now they try to live up to it. And when you try to live up to something like that, it's difficult to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Common Sense 101 on the art of pitching. Leo, thank you very much for joining us. We'll reach out to you some other time. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Love talking baseball, guys. I know you do. 42 years was the greatest time of my life, and uh, I certainly missed it, that's for sure. Keep rocking. I will. All right. (laughs) All right. And go Irish. All right. Thank you, Leo Mazzoni. All right. Major Golf returns to Baltimore July 11th through the 16th for the Constellation Senior Players Championship. Get up close to golf's legends at the prestigious Caves Valley Golf Club. You can get online and visit them, cspgolf.com, for tickets and more info. Enter for your chance to win the ultimate Ravens away game trip when Baltimore takes on Jacksonville in London's Wembley Stadium on September 24th. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London and enter now. You can even get bonus entries by liking on Facebook or tweeting. The grand prize winner gets a trip for two, including direct airfare to London, five-star hotel, game tickets, parties, and more. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London now to enter. See full details and contest rules. No purchase necessary. It's all presented by PressBox. Sports tickets unlimited and be more around town. Back with Tim Raines Jr. after these words. Ironbirds baseball is back. Celebrate opening night at Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium with an offer that's almost too good to be true. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four opening night tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. Hey, KZ here, Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita, the NFL chick. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I- I'm great. Every Sunday, 10 to noon, we talk about mostly football. Yes. We-, we talk about the college game. We talk about the NFL game. We will throw in sports, local sports, some Orioles, some Terps. If there's an important story around the country, we'll throw that in. But our heart, our soul, of course, is football. Baltimore sports. Baltimore sports. In general. Do a little bit D.C. we got to give them some love sometimes. Uh, I guess. Sundays, Sundays, 10 to noon, Pressbox Fantasy Reality Football Show. A new summer menu with two great new items at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. First up, the Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich. It's Chick-fil-A's signature grilled chicken and new bacon glazed in a brown sugar pepper blend. Served in a Hawaiian-style bun with Colby Jack cheese, green leaf lettuce, and a zesty Smokehouse Barbecue sauce that's crafted specifically for the sandwich. They also have the Watermelon Mint Lemonade. You can get it as a regular or a diet lemonade. It's got all natural watermelon and mint flavors and it's complimentary to the smokehouse barbecue sandwich get the chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard in the nottingham square shopping center tell steve pavlowski we said hello and get there before august 19th because these items are available for a limited time only 
Hey, it's Nick Ashew. It's Tim Murray. And we're back now with Press Box Online every Tuesday. Game time with Tim and Nick. So, similar name. Very similar name. A lot of the same content. Oh, we'll change that content up, you know. We'll stay with the times, obviously. But we're still going to yell at each other. Oh, I'll push your buttons whenever we want. You always do. We're yeah. like an old married couple. Every Tuesday, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, Press Box Online, Game Time with Tim and Nick. Find Game Time under the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or on iTunes and SoundCloud. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Charlie Vassalero introduces you to Baltimore's James Mosher League, the oldest continuously operating African-American youth baseball league in the country. Plus, we look back on the remarkable dual men's and women's lacrosse national titles won by the University of Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Farm City's newest football team, the Baltimore Brigade, are taking arena football to the next level at Royal Farms Arena. This is the first ever season, and you're going to want to be there for it all. Catch a great game with your family sitting close to the field, or get your night started with friends in the Bunker Party Zone. Baltimore Brigade football is high-speed, action-packed, non-stop excitement everyone can enjoy. Get your tickets now at BaltimoreBrigade.com or by calling 667-930-0200. Baltimore Brigade football presented by MedStar Health, brick by brick. Hey, it's Glenn, and you know Full Circle Tire and Auto is where my family takes our vehicles whenever we need anything taken care of. Now Full Circle is giving away great prizes this June to honor dads. Stop by and register to win prizes like a bushel of crabs from Vince's Crab House, a $100 gift card to Home Depot, and much more. The drawing is June 30th, and all you have to do is stop by Full Circle Tire and Auto to register. That's 1304 Governor's Court, Unit 110 in Abingdon. And make sure there are numbers in your phone in case something happens to your car. 410-676-2277. It's 410-676-CARS for Full Circle Tire and Auto. All right, I have an announcement, okay? I have an announcement because that's what it says right here. It's an announcement. All right. If you like great food and baseball, you'll have to visit Big Bats Cafe located over the Bay Bridge in Kent Island. Take the first exit to 216 St. Clair Place. Big Bats is the winner of the Golden Anchor Award and voted the best burgers and wings. It's like visiting Cooperstown. But with food. Good food. Because when I visit Cooperstown, you're looking for food. I'm looking for food, too, along with the baseball. Anyway, you can check them out at BigBats.com. Hey, uh, while we await uh, our connection with Tim Raines Jr., uh, Leo Mazzoni. And you know what? That that, may be him. That may very well be the connection. That could be, yeah. yeah. But really quick, uh, just amazing common sense from that guy. It is, but but it's more of an old school, if you will, approach to the game. I mean, I think sometimes we get just so caught up in the saber matrix of the game now that, and the numbers are all well and good, and it serves its purpose. There's no question about it. But at the same time, nothing a lot of times beats the naked eye. And when you have guys that have been in the game as long as Leo has, and some of the some of the guys that you come to respect over the years, as we've covered the game, uh, it's there's a lot to be said for what they know and what they bring to the table, and it's just not all about numbers. All right, joining us right now is Tim Raines Jr., and we could talk uh, till the cows come home about Tim Raines Jr.'s dad, but we've got him on right now to talk a little bit about his new career as batting instructor for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Tim Raines, Jr., welcome aboard. Hey, how 
how's it going, guys? Good morning. I appreciate you having me on. I'm Stan, and Craig Heist is here, and Craig probably remembers you a little bit. I certainly remember you, and I bring this up only because I'm getting older, Stan's getting older, <laughs> and I say one of the reasons or one of the big clues is how old you're starting to get is when you see the sons of the guys that you yeah. cover start playing the game. And that's you, Damon Buford, guys like that, all, you know. Hairston. Hairston, right, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but all guys who come from great baseball families. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've been very fortunate uh, to live a life of uh, a kid that's had an opportunity to be around the best baseball players, to grow up with a, you know, a Hall of Fame father and, all the perks that comes with it. So um, I feel like uh, this is just another, you know, new chapter in my life to be able to, you know, pass along all the things that I've learned and the stuff that I've done in baseball with some young kids that are, you know, trying to live out the same dream that I did. So, so when did you decide to make the move to coaching, Tim? At what point? Oh, when I was done playing. <laughs> yeah. So it's been it's been four or five years. Yeah, I actually, um, for the last four years, I've lived in um, Lake Ranch, Florida, um, near Sarasota, where our uh, spring training site is, and I've worked at a, um, a place called IMG Academy. Okay. Um, it's, in, it's in Bradenton. It's, um, is that Nick Boletari's place? Yeah, it just started off as Nick Boletari's yep. uh, tennis, and now they've kind of grown it into uh, about eight different sports. And, um, all performance enhancing stuff, you know, performance, and, you know, performance yep. Uh, oriented. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. So, uh, I've been doing that for the last four years, dealing with, uh, uh, more or less amateur players at the, uh, high school level and some even a little younger than that. Um, so I've, I've been doing that on the coaching side before I actually took this job here with the Orioles. But funny story is I actually had an opportunity to work, um, with, with Stone Russell, uh, John Russell's son, uh, this past year at IMG Academy. So I got a, got an opportunity to watch that young kid play, and man, does he have talent. So I'm just curious now, you knew you had this job coming up with the Aberdeen Ironbirds. I'm sure you've known about it for the last few weeks, right? Last month or so, I'm guessing? Well, there is kind of a weird situation because I talked with Brian Graham, um, the farm director about three months ago about this position. Right. And um, he told me that it was a possibility that, you know, that I'd possibly get an opportunity to do it. Um, but he couldn't actually offer me the position until it was cleared through ownership. And yep. there's a few different uh, loops that had to be done before he could actually offer the job to me. So, uh, you know, two and a half months to, you know, went by and then, you know, a little over a week and a half ago, he called me, he's like, hey, it's all cleared, you know, the, the job's here, if, if you want it, you know, talk with your wife over it, and, you know, let me know in a few days, so, I probably found out about, you know, actually taking this particular job, um, a little, little under two weeks ago. So, my question was, how closely did you watch the draft, and sort of observe what you were going to have to work with? I was involved with it a little. Um, it was a little different for me in this situation just because there were so many guys 
that were going to be coming to Aberdeen that were already in Sarasota. Um, and and they told me that most of the guys that would be coming in would be the elder uh, college guys that would be in the draft. So um, I watched it a little, but I was really, you know, trying to get my eyes um, keyed in on the guys that we have now and trying to get these names and faces down because nothing like there's nothing like a coach that doesn't know your name. So. Well, Tim, let me ask you this. Uh, with with the uh, short A season being what it is, what exactly are you, as the, as the hitting coach, going to uh, kind of, you know, impress upon your players as to what kind of uh, – your style of teaching, I guess, is the best way to say it. What do you – what's the message you want to get across? Um, well, I – funny you ask that because I actually met um, met up with our hitting coordinator yesterday, Jeff Manto. He came in town and we I spent some time with him. Um, and really what my job is here is is to kind of allow the kids to go out and, and just kind of be themselves. Um, not so much in changing what's exactly what they do, um, just kind of teach them how to be a professional, you know, how to deal with um, the day-to-day grind of being a professional player, um, coming up with routines, um, showing them that you care, you know, just, just coaching them the way that you want to be coached when you were a player. And um, our, our, our organizational, you know, kind of values when you talk about hitting is to just try to get a kid in a good position and just to have them be aggressive. Um, have them, you know, look for a certain spot, a location, a pitch that they want, and try to do damage with the pitch, and just ultimately let them enjoy themselves, have fun, you know, do things on the baseball field that kids love to do, just like the guys that we have in the big league level. They go out and enjoy themselves, and they and they have fun playing baseball, and just kind of teach them that kind of mentality of of uh, that's what the organization wants, and you know, you, you got an opportunity to play professional baseball. And, and just enjoy it and do the best you can. Well, that's, uh, you know, we, it's funny because in some ways that goes back to what we were talking about with Leo Mazzoni in terms of pitchers. You know, you got to let the guys be themselves, uh, you know, before the actual kind of teaching starts, if you will. But if, if you let the pitchers go ahead and be themselves, then you find out what they have, and then you can kind of go from there. And I guess in a lot of ways it's the same with a hitter. Oh, yeah. I mean that uh, you hit it right on, right on point, right there. I mean, it's, a coach can't really be a coach unless he knows what he can see or what he's dealing with first, and then from there, uh, the, the most difficult part as a coach, you know, hitting coach or pitching coach, is to figure out what the kid has and you know give him suggestions and coach him on what he has and how you can enhance what he's doing, um, and just give him a, a kind of day-to-day plan. Uh, that, that will get him in position to be able to compete every day and uh, just go out and, like we said, enjoy themselves and, and uh, get better off of what they actually have. We're talking with Tim Raines, Jr., son of Hall of Famer this year, Hall of Famer Tim Raines. Uh, Tim, how much will your career and, and what you struggled with, how much does that shape how you approach different hitters? Um, that's a good question. Um, 
I try not to get too much involved with my career or even anyone else's career that I've, you know, encountered while playing baseball. Um, the biggest thing with me is that I, I can pick up on certain things because of the fact that I actually had uh, a career in baseball. And mm-hmm. the thing that helped me, the thing that helped me was with the hitting coaches that I hit left-handed and I also hit right-handed. So that can kind of get me to relate with each type of player that we have whether they're a left-handed hitter or a right-handed hitter, and kind of go off of different, you know, key points that I used to try to think of and then try to see where I can figure out that relates to the type of swing or the type of player that we have here. Um, there's obviously different, you know, parts of my career that I struggle with that um, I'll be able to try to get the kids to, to try to stay away from or give them different points that they can – you know, try to make adjustments to so that they don't actually go through the same thing. So there's, I mean, it, it, there's, there's multiple things. You know, you play the game for so long, uh, you have so many different coaches, and you take things from certain coaches, and, you know, you take things from others, and you just try to take one, something from each one that you enjoyed and try to bring that all into what I try to, you know, put my point across to the kids that we have here. Talking Tim Raines Jr. Tim, who were some of the hitting coaches? And I'm I, while he wasn't your coach, so to speak, but including your dad, who were some of the, the influences on you uh, as a hitter? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, my father. The only thing with that is any any kid that has a dad never listens to their father. So you might, <laughs> right. I might be one of, the, <laughs> I might be one of the probably weirdest kids on the planet that that didn't listen to, you know, their Hall of Fame father, but um, my dad obviously influenced me a lot. Um, I think once I got older and I actually understood and actually saw the type of things that he did in the game of baseball, I started to understand a little bit more um, and, and with him, while he was playing, it was difficult for him to actually be able to teach me much because he was playing also, so um, he was a big influence, like I said, once I got older and a little during the off season. Um, I had a guy named Denny Wallen who was um, he was the hitting coach for the Orioles when I was growing up. Um, he was a huge influence on me. Did a lot of good things to help me. Um, a guy also that uh, used to be the hitting coach for the Nationals um, in the Bay a few years ago, uh, Rick Eckstein, mm-hmm. was a real, real big influence. Um, on me hitting wise, um, you know, and there was there was a lot of different things that you learn also as a hitter from players that you play with. Uh, they they get to see you on a day to day basis. Um, friends of mine that you know I played with would see certain things and and they would throw kind of ideas out there or things that they see that would uh, would obviously uh, end up helping out and and then likewise with me uh, saying things to them. So. Um, you know, it's really, it's really just ideas. You know, you have, you have people that give you ideas, and it's just the way that you kind of interpret what they say and then how you can make adjustments off of it. It's funny you mentioned Rick Shue. I mean, uh, Rick Shue is the, is the uh, hitting coach for the Nationals now, but there are several people in that organization still kind of upset that Rick Eckstein is not still mm-hmm. there uh, because he really was a really good hitting coach and had the respect of all the players. Oh yeah, he. Um, I, I. We didn't actually go to school at the same time, but we went to school. Uh, we both went to Seminole High School. Um, he was there a few years before I was, but 
uh, I met him through uh, Mike Towers, who was who was my head coach in high school, and he also coached Rick, and he introduced us to each other. And he, I mean, from there it was kind of like I gelled with him, and it was for a good five, six years in the off season. I worked with him, and you know, he changed my career. Uh, he, he allowed me to probably keep continuing to play for another at least three, four, maybe five years. So he's a huge influence. We'd be remiss, and we want to wish you great success with your career. Uh, I have to ask you the question, a couple questions about you and your relationship with your dad. Uh, the game you got to play in, you share the outfield with him for a couple innings. How how special was that? Man, <laughs> that um... – I just have to give you a quick story. I don't want to, you know, obviously make it for too long, but that year was 2001. Um, the year before, I spent the full season in Frederick. Um, so I was returning back that year from spring training. I went back to Frederick. So for me, as a player, I was a little upset because I was going back. I was repeating. You were repeating. You know, a, yep. uh, yeah, I was repeating a spot. And a lot of my buddies that I played with the year before got moved up to Bowie. So I was a little upset, but, you know, I, I, I told myself I needed to grind. I need to work. I need to get myself back to where I needed to be. I stayed in Frederick for, you know, about a month. I played well there. I went ended up going up to double-A. I was in double-A for about three months. Um, after double-A, I went up to triple-A for about a month to end the season there. Um, so I ended up getting, you know, ultimately what I wanted out, out of that year because of I started it in A-ball, but then I went home and they told me they wanted me to go to the Fall League. So I ended up going to the Fall League, and then literally a week before the Fall League starts, I get a phone call saying I'm going up to the big league. So head spinning completely. Um, what a change of events. I had just turned 21 in August of that year. So um, I get the phone call up, and, and it's actually it's Cowder King Jr.'s last week of, of his his career. Wow, I forgot so, that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, um, I get to the stadium and I open up the clubhouse doors, and there's thousands of people in there, and it's literally the first person I see is just a crowd of people, and then uh, ahead above them all is Kyrie Jr. and I'm like, holy wow! <laughs> so, like, so my head, so my head. Then at that point, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on here. I get there. I mean, it, it was tremendous just to even be uh, in the same clubhouse as Kyrie Ripken Jr., but ultimately getting out there and playing, sharing the field with, with Iron Man himself was, was, was tremendous and just what a crazy uh, thing for me to be going through as a 21-year-old. And ultimately, you know, three days later, my dad get, gets traded over. And the one thing my father told me was, the day before I got drafted, the day I got drafted, he's like, I'm hanging around until you get to the big league, so you better hurry up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like well, no, pre- no pressure. No, no pressure. pressure at all. I mean, yeah. 18 years old, just signed out of high school. He's like, <laughs> he's like, only got a few more years, so you better hurry. So um, That's a great story. He said, I mean, he said that that was one of the things on his bucket list that he wanted to accomplish, so. For me, obviously, any kid that plays baseball wants to play at the highest level, but to actually be able to do that and to play with Kyle Ripken and ultimately be able to share the outfield with my father was, uh, it, 
I can't put words to it just because I I I just don't, I wouldn't do it any justice at all. Uh, it's crazy because telling this story now, I'm getting goosebumps throughout yeah. my body. But yeah, I'm getting them was, too. I mean, y'all, man, it was it was it was just great. I mean, being out in the field, there was packed house every you know every time Cal was up to, to see. I don't even know how he got it. He even saw the ball that day. It was so bright every time he came up to hit. But um, it was just it was just a tremendous thing and. And for me to be a part of something like that was just, you know, being a part of history was, was just awesome. It was funny because when Stan asked you that, it, it took you a little bit of time yeah. just to, to start to answer it. So I, I think it's pretty emotional for you, too. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, I, yeah, every time I think about it, it gets crazy because, um, you know, my father going, you know, through the Hall of Fame induction and all of, you know, the voting and everything for these last 10, ten years, he's, it's been a long nine years for him, you know, and then, you know, going into this induction this year, um, it was very emotional. It was super emotional for him, um, emotional for us as a family, and, you know, for him to actually get the uh, the praise that I think he all, everyone, they, they, he deserves. Yeah, it's, it's long it's overdue. Super, it's long right, overdue, right, Tim. Long yeah. overdue. So, Hey, um, are you going to be able to get off? from uh, your responsibilities as a coach to be up in Cooperstown, I would imagine you would be. Yes, yes, I'll be there. I'm going to be going with my wife and three kids. So, That's great. Um, That's great. We're, we're super excited about that. And we, none of us has ever been to Cooperstown, and they've got it all set up, and I guess we're going to be in a good position going. Well, I know what they say about Ricky Henderson and uh, the accolades that he gets about. And well-deserved. And well-deserved. Greatest, greatest lead-off right hitter. There. Your dad is yeah. right there. There's no question about it. And they'll be right yeah. together in Cooperstown yes, indeed. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But hey. Ricky, Ricky's going to say, Ricky's very happy to meet you, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've had a few encounters with Ricky throughout my life. A bunch of them. They were when I was younger. So, uh, But I do remember him talking in third person. I do. That's the one thing I do remember. Uh, enjoy, enjoy it and Best of luck with the uh, Iron Birds, and maybe we'll grab you before the season's over, all right? All right. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Stan Craig. We appreciate you having me on. Man. I, we wish you nothing but the best. Good luck. All right. Thanks all right. a bunch. All right. Major Golf returns to Baltimore July 11th through the 16th, the Constellation Senior Players Championship. Get up close to golf's legends at the prestigious Caves Valley Golf Club. Visit them on the web, cspgolf.com, for tickets and more info. All right. Your turn. Let the Aberdeen <laughs> Ironbirds take all the stress, you know, because Tim Raines Jr., in honor of Tim Raines Jr. being the batting coach. Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. Are we going to be listening to uh, Mr. Weeders here shortly? Yes, we are. All right. That's coming up next. Next, right here on the bat around, Matt Weeders from the Washington Nationals and the former Baltimore Oriole. Want to see the Ravens take on the Jaguars in London on September 24th? 
Just go to pressboxonline.com slash London. You can win the grand prize, including airfare to London, five-star hotel accommodations, game day tickets, and more. Get all the details, contest rules, and enter now at pressboxonline.com slash London. No purchase necessary. Presented by Pressbox, Sports Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. Hey, it's Glenn, and you know Full Circle Tire and Auto is where my family takes our vehicles whenever we need anything taken care of. Now Full Circle is giving away great prizes this June to honor dads. Stop by and register to win prizes like a bushel of crabs from Vince's Crab House, a $100 gift card to Home Depot, and much more. The drawing is June 30th, and all you have to do is stop by Full Circle Tire and Auto to register. That's 1304 Governor's Court. Unit 110 in Abingdon. And make sure their number's in your phone in case something happens to your car. 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS for Full Circle Tire and Auto. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah, 25th anniversary of Cannon Yards. Yeah, we've been, been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're Section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket screwed up. We're just, we can touch Section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in Section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, Section 336. Yeah, so Section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Press that. box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. Baltimore, it's time. Time for major golf. Time for golf's legends. Time to get up close and see it live. Get your tickets to see legends like John Daly, Colin Montgomery, and three-time defending champion Bernard Langer at this year's Constellation Senior Players, July 11th through 16th at prestigious Cave Valley Golf Club. Tickets start at only $20 and kids get in free. Visit CSPGolf.com to learn more today. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. That's, that's Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Java now. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins Heat Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbird caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. Welcome back to the Battle Round, and we're with uh, Nationals catcher Matt Weeders, former Oriole. And, Matty, I guess the first question a lot of fans want to know is, you spent all those years here in Baltimore, but now with the Nationals, you get a chance to catch a staff that includes Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Tanner Roark and Gio Gonzalez. From a catching standpoint, what is that like 
when there's that much talent in a rotation? Um, you know, as, as a catcher, it's nice to, to catch guys who have been at the top of the game for, you know, a number of years now. So, so uh, you know, I, each staff is always a little bit different, and you enjoy the different pleasures and different challenges that come along with each staff. But, uh, you know, definitely here, you know, I'm able to take kind of a different mindset from, you know, what I may have used in Baltimore to these starters and, and be able to really even pick some of their brain for what they've had success for, which I think has helped my development as much as hopefully I'll also bring something to those guys. One of the things I always tell people about Max Scherzer is that whenever he takes the mound, you have a chance to see something special on a given night. You, you, you know how many times he's taken a no-hitter into, into the sixth inning. The, the 20 strikeout game, the two no-hitters. I mean, that potential is there with almost every start. Yeah, I mean, his stuff speaks for itself, but I, I think it goes beyond that for Max, and, and Max sort of knows the big moments, and, and he's he's not going to shy away from any big moment. And I think uh, when you have a guy with his kind of stuff and then also that mentality where he wants to be on the biggest stage and he wants to have, you know, the, the uh, numbers and stats and games that people look back on and say, wow, is this uh, – you know, really how your career went. So I, I think Max embraces that challenge. Some guys, you know, don't embrace it as well as Max does. But I, I know when the game gets to to big time or to a special game, then Max is going to step up and, and give you even more than what he had before. You know, you weren't here last year, but Steven starts off the year with 15 wins and then the injury occurs and he's not capable of being with the team in the postseason. This year, he made a concentrated effort to go from the stretch. It seems to have helped him, at least from a health standpoint. Uh, he said that was the main reason he did that. How do you think that has worked for him? Well, I think, you know, anytime you do have some injury things, getting to be able to have consistent mechanics and consistent uh, movement will, will, will help the body. And I think that's what, you know, I think he thinking going to the stretch would help him. It allows him to repeat his exact same delivery each time. And, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's something to where a lot of guys have gone to the abbreviated wind-up. He just kind of took it a step further and just took out the wind-up. For you, a new team and a fresh start uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, offensively, you've kind of picked up, you know, where you left off in Baltimore. Uh, it's been a pretty good first uh, two and a half months for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good lineup to hit in here, just like uh, I had a good lineup in Baltimore to hit in. So, you know, we're able to, to work some pitches in, in this lineup and be able to get um, – you know, some good pitches to hit for guys later down the lineup, which is, you know, where I've been hitting mostly. But, uh, you know, it feels feels uh, different leagues to learn some of the new pitchers. But, but uh, you know, now with interleague, you see some guys, you know, more than we would have in the past. So it, it's kind of uh, still feeling my way through the league a little bit. But at the same time, it's also nice that the pitchers don't know me uh, maybe as well as some American League guys. Overall, a big lead in the National League East right now. And uh, with this stretch of games, uh, that's here this weekend. You have the the Mets, obviously, for the the series you're playing now, and then you go to Miami. You just got done with the Braves. This is uh, even though it's a big lead, these are important games. Yeah, you got to take one at a time, though. And it sounds cliche, but uh, you know you can't worry about rankings when we're when we're in June. We keep playing and, and play as well as we can, and and we know we have the kind of talent as clubhouse and on this team to be able to to be where we want to be at the end of the year. But the only way to get there is to, is to stay focused on on the moment. And not look towards, you know, too far towards the future. If you do that, then you can slip up in some games that you should win. And, and you know, we're going to have to make a conscious effort to, to take every game, you know, like it 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 means what it means. And because and in this in this game, until your magic number is zero, anything can happen. So so uh, we're going to keep playing hard and 
and like I said, hopefully uh, we can keep just playing like we played in the first half and maybe even a little bit better. Let me take you back to last year, or actually two years, because you were heading in uh, to a situation where you had to decide whether you wanted to take the qualifying offer or just test the waters. You took the qualifying offer, and in a lot of ways I think that was good for you because it lets you go out and say, hey, look, this is what I'm all about, this is what I have. And then for the Orioles, it's a situation where uh, then they can kind of make their decision going forward after that. And that, that year turned out to be pretty good for you. Yeah, I think it was kind of a win-win for, for everybody. It was something to where if there was any team where I thought I was going to be playing a one-year deal for, I wanted to be Baltimore at that time because I, I, I knew everybody there and I, I knew you know the staff and I knew all the coaches and it was just a comfortable situation for me going back there and and uh, you know, on, on top of that, is it's a great place to play. So I, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, it was a decision I had to make quicker than you know maybe most guys would have had to make because you only have those seven days. But, but you know, I never looked back at uh, looked back at it for a second. I think it was a great decision for both me, and, and I think uh, it worked out well for us as a team too. And it maybe set the stage for for what happens down here too. And you don't get you don't have to move very far. I know you're living in Virginia now, but uh, from that standpoint, it has to be a certain comfort level for you. Yeah, I think uh, same weather, so that's nice. <laughs> you get the same humidity here as as Baltimore, but. Uh, no, it, it, I've, I believe everything happens for a reason and that God has his hand on, on everything. So, you know, every decision we make is kind of, you know, as long as we're listening, at least as long as I'm listening to what, you know, I feel like he's telling me to do, then then everything will work out. Last thing, do you keep a track of what's going on up the road with the guys? I know you're close to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, one, it's easy. The replays come on the same TV channel that we come on, so, so uh, we'll flip it on and watch them if I have nothing going on at home in the morning or, or after a game. Um, but, no, I'll, I'll check their box score every day just because I spend so much time and have so many relationships there. I would, If I would have spent time with any other team, I would check their box scores too. It's just something where you see how uh, see how you guys are doing and, and you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy. And, and if somebody doesn't stay healthy, try and shoot them a text and, and say, I uh, hope you get better soon. CD, for example, got the oblique. Now he's going to miss some time. Uh, are you surprised they're not pitching quite as well as they have uh, in the past? Um, I, I think I think they'll pick up. They got some some changes over there. I think Tillman, throughout his whole career, has always been able to figure it out when he has had a uh, you know rough patch. So you know, I have confidence that he'll be able to, to figure it out and get back going to, to the Chris Tillman that, that we know. And, and you know, I've always felt that. He carried that staff for, for a long time, even when he was one of the younger guys. To be able to shoulder the load he did was huge for what he did, and, and uh, he'll get back to, to where he needs to be. Matt Wieters, thanks a lot for being with us on the Batter Round. No problem. All right, there you have it, Matt Wieters. And, uh, Interesting comments there about uh, Tillman. Tillman, yeah. Uh, and, again, I thought the last one in Chicago, which was his seventh start, uh, was much better through the first five innings. Uh, you can still see that he's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixth inning turned out to be a, a little rough for him. Uh, he gave up some runs, and you know they they didn't recover, and they didn't recover bullpen wise either. Give him any help. So you know let's let's see what the next one brings because uh, you know they're going to need him a little bit here. You know as you go forward toward the break, we'll see whether he can get some things figured out. Just curious, did you read anything into – I mean, he certainly wasn't going to go into detail, but but when you asked him, are you surprised they haven't pitched better, he said, mm, they're going through some changes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think mean, – I don't think Roger he was McDowell, alluding. Yeah, exactly, one, yeah. and Mills over right. Wallace and Cheedy. Um, did you 
did you take it that that's what he was talking about? Uh, no, not necessarily. He may have been with Roger. I don't think necessarily with Alan Mills, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, again, that's certainly one of those things that has to play itself out with this club. I mean, I think three months, two months is, is kind of a small sample size. No question about it. Um, how has how have his teammates taken to him over there, and how much I know Buck appreciated what Matt brought to the table. Uh, how much does Dusty appreciate what he's got there? Well, I think Dusty does. I mean, I'm not so sure whether Mike Rizzo did at the beginning because in the off season we just kept hearing it. We, but we, Mike's not that high on this guy. But but, but we always heard Weeders in connection with the Nationals, Scott Burroughs' client, that kind of thing. We know what that relationship is like, and it's a good one with the yeah. Lerner family. Uh, but, again, uh, you, you know, we, we go get a chance to meet with Mike uh, for kind of an off-the-record type thing. Uh, but, but even when you talk to Mike on the record, they were never really that high on Matt right. defensively. Right. And I don't necessarily quite understand why, uh, but I think – Every, all parties involved now are happy it turned out the way it did. Number one, for Matt, he didn't have to leave the area. Number two, I mean, you're looking at a guy that hit 17 homers and drove in 66 for the Orioles last year, and right now he hit a home run last night, so he's got six this year, 26 RBI. So He's, he's looking a, like 15, 15 to 17 homers and maybe 60 RBIs right, or something Right, and, like and again, and right now – In six, that lineup, that's all they need. 265 batting average, and he's hitting anywhere from seven in the seven hole mm-hmm. or the eight hole. So I think a lot less pressure on him over there. I would well when you got those guys yeah, that you, you can got send those out. Kind of one base percentage guys. You well, know. not only that, but uh, not only that, but from a standpoint of handling the pitching staff, you got a lot of guys over there who know what they're doing, and it's one of the best staffs in the game. What about uh, what's the latest on the Coda Glover situation? Well, Coda's on the DL right now. Right. He had some bad back. Uh, I heard think, in the shower. Yeah, I think when. But the you know the bottom line, and I'll stress this. Not just to veteran guys, but to young guys too. If you're hurt, say something. He Kinda didn't like s- if you see something, say something. right. Say something. He didn't say anything. Dusty runs him out there. He gives up the the lead that right. day. Doesn't he blows the save? And then he then he know, says comes. Then clean. he says, "Well, you know, I've been no. stiff all day, and this and that. And my back's bothering." And then at, right afterwards, he's going on the ten day DL. Yeah, you know, say something. Yeah. And and so so they weren't real happy with him there. Happy enough or not happy enough to take the closer spot away from him. Don't know that yet. But again, going forward toward the uh, toward the trade deadline, you can almost guarantee that Mike Rizzo is going to do something about that bullpen. Orioles uh, playing the Cardinals today and tomorrow and tonight. It is four oh five start today. Wade Miley against Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. Wainwright used to be one of the best in the business. He is and uh, can still be that way from time to time. Uh, he's fought through his way uh, through some injuries and things of that lately in the in the last few years. Uh, but uh, he's he's a guy that knows how to pitch, knows how to get it done. And when you have an overaggressive team, which the Orioles are right now, that can play into his hands. All right. And then, of course, tomorrow, uh, the last game of this three-game series, uh, Alec Asher has been pulled from the starting rotation, put back in the bullpen to give Buck a little more flexibility there. Also, the hope that Ubaldo will pick it back up again and become kind of important in the second half of this season. 
uh, goes against Lance Lynn. You know, and that's a guy who's made it back all the way back from Tommy John. Made surgery. it back all the way from Tommy John, and also the biggest thing is a good pitcher knows what he's doing on the mound. So again, what we were talking about for all the Cardinals struggles record wise right now, they can throw some pitching out there at you. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the trickiest parts right now with the Orioles, Craig. Every day when you look at the probable pitchers for that day and the next three or four days, there are not many matchups where you go, hey, the Orioles should should win that game mm-hmm. based on how the starting pitching's going. Right, and that's a, that's a tough thing because you used to be, well, like, for instance, you went in that Yankee series, you know, after they lost the makeup game against the Nationals. Yeah, we had Bundy start the first game. You feel like, well, we got to win this first game. Right. You got Bundy, Miley, and then uh, I guess it was Gosman, Gosman right? Yep. And, and it was uh, Bundy and Tillman. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Bundy Tillman, York, right, yeah. exactly. And then uh, you're, you're thinking, okay, there's your three best right there going against the Yankees. And really, they didn't get a good one other than Bundy's, you know, and they wind up getting swept in that series. Yeah. And two of the games, not competitive at all. Been a tough stretch for the Baltimore Orioles, as Craig alluded to, 22-10 and 10 out of the gate and just 10-24 and 24 in the last 34 games. And that spells out to a minus two uh, in the win-loss column, 32-34, and 34, tied with the Toronto Blue Jays, and Jim Henneman alluded to it, you know, world of difference between how those teams got there uh, because Toronto started off so miserably. What were they, like 5-13 and 13 or yeah, something well, like that? Well, they were, after a week and a half or maybe two weeks, they were eight games out after yeah. two weeks. Right, right. And, and now they, here they are right back in it. They're right back in it, six and a half out, tied with the Orioles. Tampa Bay in front of both the Orioles and the, uh, and the Blue Jays and then the Red Sox and Yankees within a game of each other. Uh, it's going to be a wild, uh, wild race, that, like you say. Other than the Houston Astros, there really don't appear to be any super teams in the American League. No, and like I said, you got nine, nine teams in the National League under 500 right now. You got eight in the American League under 500 right now. There's a lot of mediocre baseball being played by some mediocre teams who are all trying to find it. And the one thing about it is the, you know, if you, if you're over there in the National League, or I'm sorry, the American League West, right now. It, you're looking up an 11 game deficit, and it doesn't appear that you really have a chance. But what the wild card does do is it gives a lot of teams that appear to be out of it a chance and some hope. And that's why teams have trouble not making deals at this point of the year, as opposed to maybe five, six weeks from now when the trade deadline rolls around. Um, one thing we can say, a lot of mediocre baseball teams out there, but they're playing the game much faster because of the uh, imposed rule that the intentional walks are now just pointed down. The yeah. Place. That's really changed a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's really sped up the game. You know game. how many three-hour games I've covered this year? Three-hour <laughs> plus. <laughs> too many. Too many. Too and, many. And I can almost go to 3.30 on that, too. Are you coming around on me on Electronic Eye for Home Plate Umpire? Uh, that umpire last night – was sque- I mean, this is not a total defense of Gosman. He had to throw a multitude of extra pitches because of Holberg's work. Right, last and night. and and twenty some foul balls, uh, and yeah. give give the uh, Cardinals a lot of credit for that. Tillman and was, Gosman always give up a lot of foul. He, balls. he was getting squeezed, and you know, you know, I I don't know what the answer is, and I'm not so sure that your answer is the right one. But I hate taking. I am. I, I am. Hate, I hate taking that human element out of it. Uh, 
because I get better umpires. You know, it's not. So you're in favor of firing? Oh, part. I'm 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 in favor of getting rid of Laz Diaz, Joe Angel, West, Joe West, Angel, Angel Hernandez, Hernandez in a heartbeat. Right. Right. C.B. Buckner. So you What's that? C.B. Buckner. That's another Buckner, one. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Hoberg last night was just terrible. He was awful. Jim Palmer, who's, I mean, Jim tells it like it is, but he's usually not that critical. That one, that one pitch that broke and it hit the bottom of the strike zone, I forget who it was on, but he goes, oh, my God. And Palmer, then they showed it again and showed the box. Mm-hmm. And he said, that is a perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you miss perfect pitches like that it can cause a Gosman's pitch count to go up 15 more pitches. You mentioned the little pitch box they show yeah. when they replay the pitch. Is the pitch box the same for every single like different channel that's broadcasting a baseball game, or is it different according to the station? I don't think it's a difference in station. It's a, it might be a difference of what they subscribe to. There's probably two or three different, you know, it's almost like jug guns, you know, speed guns have different – they're different speed guns. I'll bet there are a couple different boxes that they Well, use. I'm sure there's a couple different boxes, but I'm also assuming, too, that electronically and how that shows up on your screen – It would be the similar. Is, is, is also directly correlated to what your camera angle is coming in from center field, mm-hmm. whether it's more toward right from the pitcher's mound to home plate or as opposed to maybe uh, the one that's in left center field a little bit. Which I kind of like I, more than any. I'd love to find somebody, maybe Bonzo on a special project. Maybe you can research who we could talk to on the bat around about that, about whether the technology really does exist or whether I'm just pontificating and nobody's going to say no. It's good enough. It's not good enough to do. I think it would enhance the game and move the game along a lot well, faster. Well, first of all. Let's not kid anybody. You always pontificate. So. Well, that's true. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> but I like to have the facts. All right. I like to have, Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. I'd like to really hear from somebody that knows what they're talking about, about the, the actual rudimentary ways that this thing could work. Mm-hmm. Because I think, it. again, my biggest point is that Kevin Gosman last night had to leave that game after five and two-thirds innings Mostly because of pit, his pitch count got away from him, and right. I'm just telling you, you're right about the foul balls. And the other but, thing, but the other thing is when he can't tell what is a strike, and he's got to scratch his head, that can cause him 15 to 30 more pitches. And it's also going to cost him throwing the ball over the middle of the plate with a slider that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Well, because he thinks that you know, where else do I have to throw it? Exactly. And exactly. and it turns out to be a two-run homer. And that's totally inexcusable in terms of Gosman. Yeah. Uh, if you're throwing a fastball, When I you don't know that. what is a strike right. and what isn't a strike, it, you, it's going to change how you you and your catcher work together on that. Right. On that. I just uh, – I thought Holberg was absolutely horrible last night. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Totally. And uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not this team can, can play its way – to me, it's a very, very important stretch between now and the All Star break. They got to right. They're they, like a boxer that has taken five punches to the head and is going down. And if he can just sort of rope a dope, if they could just go, how many more games they got between now and the All Star game? About fifteen. I would think, yeah, about fifteen. If they could go eight and seven, 
you know, they don't have to go 15 and 2. No, but tread water a little bit. Tread yeah. water a little bit and get their feet under them. Maybe get Zach Britton back that changes some dynamics a little bit. Maybe Manny gets hot during this streak. I mean, he's got to have a hot streak in him. You got, yeah, well, you have to figure he can't yeah. go the whole year like this. But, uh, but I tell you, Buck Showalter, the thing to do against right handed pitching and what they're facing Wainwright tonight, Lance Lynn tomorrow. Telling you, Smith and Kim one two. It's worth a try. It's, it's worth, worth a try. try. And they hit Kim. They hit Kim lead off one of those yep. games in Chicago. I don't uh, care whether it's Kim Smith or Smith Kim. Maybe I even like Smith, Kim leading off. And, and who knows? Thing. It might have come to that yep. had Smith not been injured. Yeah, yep. it may have come to that. But they were both in the lineup last night, batting first Smith, Kim eighth. Right now, next week. I'm going to be here. Right. So the show's going to be doing great. The, doing I got to show. For about a year now, I'll have to hear how great. Oh, it was the best show ever. And and hopefully, it's either going to be me solo, along with Bonza, or I'm going to have somebody come in here as a co-host, but they can't do it unless they wear a tie-dye shirt. <laughs> Very nice. Nice. Well played. Hey, uh, Inside Press Box tomorrow, uh, our guest included Sean Nadlin. Um, Sean Nadlin mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on who, who was on the show tomorrow. And that's why next week's show will be better than this week. Gabrielle Gaudette was in. We had Char- we had Rich Dubroff was second. That's why he's uh, so forgettable. Sean Nadlin, Rich Dubroff, and Charlie Vassilaro talking about our cover story called Big Little League on the Sea, uh, on the uh, James A. Mosier Little League in baseball, uh, baseball Little League in Baltimore a historic, uh, predominantly African-American Little League. 570 views to this show this morning. Keep and it coming. Keep it coming. You can do it. Uh, just put, click online. And if you stop there, share it, and more people will see it. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Craig. And All thanks right, Thanks for sitting in for me next week. Mm. Uh, we'll make that a successful show. All right. Bonza, thank you. You've got your uh, assignment to get me a guest in the next two weeks on that. All right. Have a great weekend ahead, and uh, let's go, O's. Come on. You know Let's turn gonna, this thing. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no, nah, probably not. Let's turn this thing around, Orioles. See you later.